Thank you so much. Well, good morning. Good morning. I miss Chad. Uh, Let's go before the Lord before we get any further. Lord, help me today. Help me to teach the word. And uh, Lord, I pray that the that the word would be uh, alive in our hearts, that we would hang on to this so closely. We thank you for the gift that we have of today and the time spent uh, studying and, and focusing our eyes on you. And so, Lord, we, we love you and we thank you. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you would stand, uh, and we're going to read our scripture for the day. Uh, we're going to study it twice, but it, you'll be all right. Uh, it says this from... Uh, Mark chapter 10, 46 to 52. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, and he said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Uh, so as we were preparing for this uh, week, uh, I kind of made the promise to the Lord, whatever Chad covers last week, I'll just cover the following verses. I don't know if you've ever made a promise like that before you, you know, and you jumped before you really thought through something. Uh, but I thought, well, I'll just follow up. And so I, this is the scripture that we have for us. And so I wanted to put it in context, maybe just do a slight review of what Chad talked about last week. And... Uh, and maybe back up a little bit further. If you remember, uh, Jesus has disciples. He has his 12 disciples. And in particular, he has three, James, uh, John, and Peter. And they are privileged with this incredible experience of seeing the transfiguration. And you remember this story. Uh, Jesus takes them up on this mountain, and they see the glory of God. They hear the voice. They see Elijah. They see Moses. All of this stuff is so spectacular. I'm sure their jaws hit the ground. And as they watch this, they, um, maybe even their knees are knocking, and they're trying to uh, process the glory, the Shekinah glory, this incredible, powerful uh, glory of God. And you imagine what, if you were on that end gr- group there, that three, would you have any sort of uh, maybe pride or like, uh, I'm, not, I'm one of the guys that got to see that sort of thing. You, maybe you, you began to th- think, I'm really somebody. I mean, I saw the Son of God glorified. You might think, uh, I'm really blessed. And so these guys have it maybe in their mind, their heart. Maybe Peter might struggle a little bit more to, to take the reins of leadership. But James and John are, are okay with it. They're okay to, to ask uh, some crazy questions. And Jesus identifies that we know him as the sons of Zebedee. We know him as the sons of thunder. And the reason why is because we know we, we come to understand from taking the gospel stories, we think that Zebedee was probably somebody really important. 
So these are sons of somebody really important, maybe somebody wealthy, they have the inroad, they have a special connection with those in the temple. And so these guys are the guys that are, are used to uh, their mom and dad pushing them to the front of the line. They're used to, um, I'm, you know, the mom wears the button and says, my kids are the best in the whole world. And so th- these, the mom goes to Jesus and asks, uh, can my sons sit at your right and your left when you enter into your glory, when, when you're, when you're elevated when you're glorious and so that's in one context the other one is the one we studied last week it's the same kind of thing but the scripture says that they walk up to jesus and they're trying to fight over the leadership they're going to jesus and they said um so jesus we we we, we want to ask you something we, but would you do anything that we would you do whatever we ask and jesus responds well what do you want me to do and that's an important question that we're going to look at today what do you want me to do and what was their request we want to set at either side and jesus says you don't know what you're asking and i can't grant that that's that's a gift from the father the father decides those seats and beyond that are you prepared to drink the cup that i drink what cup are we talking about we're talking about the suffering that 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 leads up to the cross and uh and jesus is challenging him saying can you can you do that and not only that but can you be baptized like i was baptized and the word baptized it actually means can you be submerged in stuff like I am submerged. What, what's the story again? Jesus goes and he's horribly beaten. He's, he's mocked. He, his friends abandon him. He is uh, led up like a lamb to the slaughter. They nail his hands and his feet to the cross. And he hung there for hours and eventually died there on the cross. Lots and lots of witnesses. He was stripped completely naked attached to that tree. And, and, and it was the most painful thing that you could imagine that could happen to a person. And Jesus did it, and he had a, pers- a purpose and a meaning. I'm going to tell you the gospel story right now. Here we go. I, I'm already off my notes. I don't care. <laughs> but you think about what it is that Jesus did, and he asked them and challenges them. He says, can you, can you, can you endure what I'm going to do, what I'm going to go through? Well, if we go through time, we see that the disciples really go through it, don't they? Fast forward some years, we know that James is, is beheaded, and he's beheaded by uh, Herod's guys. And, uh, and, it's a, and he's one of the first martyrs there. He's, one of, he's the first di- uh, martyred disciple. And then we fast forward some years. Uh, John is horribly tortured. He's exiled. It's just difficult. It's so difficult. And they end up drinking from that cup. They end up being submerged in the same kind of thing. They go through it. But it's after some eye-opening experiences. And so we have James and John, the sons of thunder. They're okay to get in the middle of stuff. They're okay to ask hard questions. And Jesus is trying to get these guys to open their eyes. He's trying to get them to understand uh, leadership, sure, but also servanthood. He's trying to transform their heart. He's trying to get them to kind of wake up. And so w- w- as soon as this, um, that story that we just covered there, as soon as that happens, Jesus takes his guys into Jericho. And as he's journeying into Jericho, you remember the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tall or He's a wee little man, it says this is a song. He's a small guy, and he wants to see Jesus, but the crowds are so big, and he can't probably see over, so he decides to do what? He, he, he runs up ahead, and he guesses, well, I think Jesus is going to go up this road right here. I'm going to climb up in this sycamore tree, and he hangs out in this tree, and he waits until Jesus gets so close, and I'm sure Jesus looks up and sees this, sees this smaller gentleman yelling out, hey, Jesus, I want you to know. In a repentant kind of way, I'm sure he had tears streaming down his face. I I want you to know, I gave half of everything I had to the poor. 
and I gave, I'm going to do with the other half. I'm going to pay back all the debts. I'm going to make this right. And what does Jesus say? Salvation has come to this house. You imagine what that guy felt like. I mean, the, the, the Messiah, the, all, everybody is so excited about a touch from the Messiah, and they're rallying around him, and you get Jesus' attention, and you try to confess it all, and you repent, and Jesus says, salvation has come to your home. And not only that, but Jesus stays the night there. And so you can imagine the, the energy and the atmosphere, the way that he's, Jesus is helping people to feel and helping them to see he's rooming and hanging out with sinners. How could this be? How could he do this? Why would he do this? Out of all the people to choose in the town, and you're choosing the rotten little tax collector that's been ripping us off for years. We know him, and Jesus still is okay to, to dine at his home. What a, beautiful, what a beautiful story. Follows up immediately the next day after he's just stated in Zacchaeus, as we have this scripture that we just picked up. And, uh, and it's absolutely awesome because the next person in line here is, is Bartimaeus. And, uh, and so we're going to read line by line, right through the scripture, and it's just so powerful. I love this story. And he says this, this, uh, John Mark wrote, then they came to Jericho, which is not far from Jerusalem. We're talking about maybe less, a little less than 10 miles, maybe 10 miles. Uh, As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd, a large crowd, you guys see it in your mind's eye, we're we're leaving the city, and a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Can you see him there in your mind's eye? He's sitting down. He's, he's waiting. And what is he, who is he waiting for? Well, he's probably just, it's the day-to-day. It's the routine of begging. But I'm sure that he's got some kind of plan just like Zacchaeus. If only I could just get close to him. If only I could, he could hear my voice. And so he's got some, somewhat of a plan. So maybe he had heard the stories of uh, Lazarus. You know the story of Lazarus, resurrected from the dead. He's not far. This didn't happen that far from there. Maybe he just had heard about uh, Zacchaeus. Maybe Zacchaeus was giving money out, all this stuff that he just confessed to. Maybe Bartimaeus was one of the guys that got some funds. Maybe he he squared away with him. I don't know. But uh, all all the while, he is super excited about uh, the connection with Jesus. Everybody's headed to Passover. Everybody, there's thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people journeying up all these roads. And you've got to imagine the commotion. And here our guy sits. But he won't miss his chance. Imagine the anticipation. Mark chapter 10, and this is verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So you imagine a neighbor next to him is, or somebody he hears messiah or jesus is coming and the guy is probably sweaty palms oh my gosh what am i going to how i hope i hope i hope i hope i'm praying because he's desperate and so there he sits verse 48 many rebuked him and told him to quiet but he shouted all the more son of david have mercy on me he identifies jesus as the son of david what does that term mean that means that he recognizes some kingship. He recognizes some Messiah uh, uh, identity. And he yells it out at the top of his lungs, and people are going, what are you doing? Be quiet. Hush. And, he's, uh, and, he, and he picks it up, right? This is my moment. And so he screams all the louder. As I read the scripture, I thought uh, I was reminded of my high school days. And uh, my sisters and I uh, were involved in sports a lot. And I had this grandma who... She was the loudest voice in the entire stadium, I'm sure of it. And she, um, she had this cowbell. This is it. This is the one. 
And she would, she would stand up in the state, and we played water polo. So she was right by the edge of the pool and stuff, and, uh, and soccer stuff and all that. But she would be standing there, and she would be screaming, hey! and she would you know, yell my name. It was this real distinct voice, and everybody would turn to look at her, and she would you know, rattle this bell. And it was, at one, you know, it was often the case that my sisters and I were like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. But, you know, it was a, it was, it's a, it was a um, very loving act by a proud grandma, right? Right? And I think if I could go back, I would probably think, I would probably be like, I would probably enjoy it more. I would have humored her or, or waved or whatever. But when my grandma passed away, this is the thing I got. This was the thing that meant the most to me. I'll never forget that. And I hope that I am as... Um, uh, I suppose, excited and celebrating my kids as much as she celebrated us. What a, what a cool thing that was. And so my grandma, I, I see her here just yelling, I don't care if anybody hears, I don't care if anybody looks down, I don't care if anybody's trying to tell me to hush. Those are my grandkids out there, and I will get their attention in the same way we have Bartimaeus going, I don't care if you're bothered at my screaming, I don't care if it's piercing, I don't care that I frustrate you. That's the Messiah. I need him. I, I need him. I'm so desperate for him. I'm so desperate for change. I can't do another day like this. I'm str- struggling in my, in my health or my faith. And I, am, I just need something. I need this. And so he begins to scream. His one in a million chance, I'm not going to miss it. You ever missed your moment? You ever missed a moment? You ever missed your chance? I think we all have at one time or another. Times where I should have stood up, I should have praised God, I should have, I should have been faithful to pray in public. I was too ashamed, I was too afraid. I worried about what people thought. I worried about what that people might have, feel like they have to hush me or, you know, when I should have preached a little louder or when I should have wore the button, you know, like I'm a proud believer and I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart and I'm unashamed of the gospel. Have you ever missed your moment? pretty heavy stuff when you walk away and you're shuffling your feet and you're just thinking, I hope I get another shot at this. Or on the flip side, like Bartimaeus, I'm not missing this. Have you ever just decided, I will not miss this opportunity? Years ago, Lori and I were just getting uh, engaged. I remember, I'm I'm sorry if I've already told you this story, but I'm already old enough now that I repeat myself way too much. Those are all my best friends. That's what we do is repeat all of our stories. <clears throat> and uh, we, were, we, were, we were dating. We knew we were going to get engaged. And so I went up to go visit her family. And little did I know that her dad had a plan to put us in all of these unique spots uh, that it would really set us up to take the plunge, take the moment. And I had a ring in my pocket, and I had sweaty palms. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to get married. What if I screw things up? And I remember just so hesitant. So we went to the Space Needle, and he took us to the top, and I ordered salmon, and we, or- ate, we ate really good, and, and we left the thing, and I never, never got down on the knee. And I remember going to the next event, and I remember hit, the moment was there, and I never did it. And so I, the last possible day, and I was flying home, and I was like, that's it. I'm not missing this opportunity. And I remember her family wasn't even there and so when, when, we, when I proposed. And I remember the, the, the frustration after the fact, we were there all those days. Why didn't you just take a knee, pal? I mean, we took you to all these beautiful places, and no. And, uh, and so, but, I, but at some point, enough's enough. Hey, we've got to do this. We're going to take the plunge. We're gonna... And I think the same thing with our faith. 
take the plunge, gladly wear the button that says, I love the Lord Jesus. He is mine and I am his and I am unashamed. Mark chapter 10, 49. I love this. I love this particular verse. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. And I think, you know, as we read the scripture, we can't help but draw parallels to us. The fact that he would stop for a blind guy that's sitting down that may not even be able to see, you know, they, there's no line of sight for Jesus to even see, but he can hear him. And Jesus still stops. He stopped for Zacchaeus. He, he stops for Bartimaeus. Fast forward the next chapter or two. We see Jesus hanging on the cross and he takes time to lean over and look at the, at the thief in the eye. He even takes time, you know, even God has reached out to redeem the Roman centurion that is beside himself because he recognizes the Son of God, that God is redeeming the people who are ready to humble themselves and acknowledge that he is the Son of God. And so Jesus stops. What a gift that he would stop for you. What a gift that he would stop for me, that he would lend an ear, that he would give us his attention. The God of the universe gives us his ear. Is that a gift? Amen. Here's what I love about this scripture even more. Jesus stopped and he said, call him. Who is he talking to? He's talking to all the neighbors around them that are hushing Bartimaeus. He's telling them, hey, you call him. Imagine what they were saying. The, The look over here, hush. Don't talk. Please be quiet. You're ruining this moment. And Jesus says, yeah, call him. And he's going, wait a minute. I just, and you imagine the awkwardness of that moment. And so they extend the hand unto him. He's still sitting down. And they called to the blind man, cheer up. So that gives us an idea of what his crying sounded like, right? What his face looked like. Cheer up. He's heard you. And on your feet, he's calling you. And so what does the scripture say? The next one. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. I imagine, you ever seen The Price is Right? Everybody's seen The Price is Right. It's been on for 100 years. You know, imagine the people when they call their name out of the crowd and then they, all of a sudden a, a really relaxed, maybe conservative, spirited person all of a sudden is, ah, and they're going crazy and they're right up there in the front row going bonkers and it's just the same thing with this guy. Can you believe that he called me? And so he throws off of his cloak and they're guiding him along. They're helping his hands and they get him right to Jesus and there he is face to face. He can't see him, but he's already celebrating. He sees Yet he can't see, right? He sees him, but he doesn't see him. So throwing off his cloak, he jumped to his feet, and then Jesus says this, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And Jesus asked the blind man, and the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. He actually uses the term rabbi, which means you're my teacher. So he says, my teacher I want to see. Well, anybody who's standing around knows what his issue is, but because of the way that he's identified Jesus, the way that he's cried out are all proofs to say that in his heart, he knows who Jesus is. He knows that Jesus is his only shot, not just for sight, but somehow in his heart he believes. And he knows that Jesus has the power over this thing that's been broken for years and years and years and years. The thing that, um, and maybe you're like me, Something breaks and you, you know, my health or whatever. And certainly I've been in this, on this road for a long time now, just feeling crummy for so long. And you pray the prayer and you pray the prayer and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and 50, 60, 70, 80 days, 90, 
you know, 100, 200 days rolled by and nothing's changing and you start to think, well, in the world, you might lose hope, but I'm so impressed by this guy who's, who's crying out for Jesus. And here's your question for you, church. If Jesus came to you and asked you, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? What would you say? I, um, I felt so convicted when I sat there reading the scripture because most times, many times, when I go to the, our Heavenly Father, my requests are things like, thank you, God, you're, you're awesome, you're amazing. I praise you for all these incredible things that you've done, that you've made. I'm so impressed by the sunsets. Worship, worship, worship. I am so impressed by you. Uh, Lord, help me today. Amen. Vague, not specific. I'm afraid to ask for something because I'm afraid. That, what if he says no? Well, what if I pray it over and over and over? What if I get worn out, tired, and, and, I, and I'm weary from, for asking? And I felt so shameful because I thought, you know, here's a guy that's been carrying blindness for who knows how long, and he's jumping up to his feet, and he's, he's, he's excited to yell. What's different between that day and, and now? What's different between Jesus right there with that blind guy and, the, and 2018 for us today? What's the difference? The Lord Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit right here is pleading of, the belie- of, of us believers. And yet we still are struggling to have hope and to thinking that God has the power over the common cold, that he, that he, can't, that he can't crush the flu, that he can't save my, and help my kids, that he can't insert this or that, you know. And I've, I think it's so easy for us to lose hope and to forget the power of the Lord Jesus and his ability and his strength. Oh, let us never forget that. Let us never forget his power, his authority, his strength, his might. And then the, the fact that he stops and he loves and he hears. Mark ten fifty two. listen to this. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. He hasn't even had his, the next, ver, the next line says that he received his sight. Jesus says your faith has what? What are we talking about? Talking about salvation. Something has glowing in his heart but then he says immediately he he received his sight and what and he followed jesus imagine him wanting to do cartwheels imagining him screaming still yelling look what he's done look what he's done and everybody wanting to inspect him wanting to look at his eyes now that they're illuminated and he's he's now walking without that the needed hand right next to him Do I, do I believe that he can, he can cover over me and to help me? Do I believe when I come to him in prayer that this question is still valuable to me? Am I, am I, am I valuable to him? Well, he's proved that, hasn't he? How has he proved his, our value to him? He died on a cross. What an absolute gift. I'm not sure if you have these in your, in your, uh, there, but you need to take this out. And if you could look at the card for just a second. My, my charge, and this is what the Lord asked me, me to do, and maybe you might find it helpful to you. In my time with the Lord sitting at my desk, he said, what do you want me to do for you? And be specific. And then whenever I deliver, Celebrate. And if I don't, I want you to be patient. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to put myself in Bartimaeus' place. 
how long did Bartimaeus pray that prayer? And how many days on end did he pray that prayer? Lord, I need my eyesight. Lord, help me with my family. Lord, help me have something to eat today. Lord, help me. I mean, how many prayers went before all of his years, before all of a sudden in God's timing, in his beautiful timing, in his powerful and incredible timing, the world would see this miraculous thing on a road on the way to Passover where thousands of people are a witness to his glory. Well, Lord, I want you to fix my health right here, right now. But if you won't, I'll be patient and I'll wait. I'll be patient and I'll wait, Lord. And while I'm still sick and while my friends struggle with cancer and while my friends are fighting it out for their life, we will patiently wait. We will wait on your timing and we will celebrate if you come through and we will celebrate the fact that you have redeemed the hearts of my friends and I and we will, we will, we will take joy in the most important thing. Lori and I were studying the scripture together and the question came up, if God could fix all of your problems right now or you could receive eternal life, what would you choose? What would you choose? And I think that's the, that's the one that I've got to hang on to. I've chosen to have hope, eternal life. For time and eternity, I will be close to the Lord, whether I'm crushed or whether I'm lifted up and healed. So patiently we wait. I wonder what happened to that guy when he followed Jesus up and over the hill. He was met with all the palm leaves and they're singing Hosanna and they're praising him while he rides on the donkey and the blind guy's right behind him. Bartimaeus is still yelling and celebrating. I wonder what happened to Bartimaeus because you know he stuck around in town. That's now his Lord and Savior. You know he stuck around to watch the whole thing. You imagine he's at a distance and he watches his Lord and Savior be tacked to that cross and hanging there for hours and kind of in confusion. I know he's the son of David. I know he's the Messiah. I know he's all these things, but he's stuck to the tree. But then what happens on the third day? How does Bartimaeus feel then? When you think about what it is that the Lord is going to do in you, that he has resurrected your heart. And as, as a matter of fact, if he's resurrected you and your heart today and and in your life, say, hallelujah. Good, we're, we have a room full of them. Thanks be to God for what he's done. A couple things I wanted to read for you while you begin to maybe look down at your card, your golden ticket here. Maybe articulate that while I'm reading this for you. What do you want me to do for you? Write it down. What happens to a person when they become desperate? What happens to a person when they first believe in Jesus? Though they don't see him, and we don't today, right? We don't see him with our eyes. We see him with our heart. What happens to a person that finds out that Jesus has called them out of the crowd? What happens to a person when their faith delivers them? What happens when they receive the enormous, enormous inheritance through Christ? What happens when our eyes open and we see him face to face? What will you do next? How closely will you follow? How eager will you become to be close to him? How excited will you be to realize your value? And as you look at your card there, would you, would you ask for healing, health for you or maybe your family? Are you asking for wisdom? Oh, Lord, help me make a decision. Help me to know what to do. Give me knowledge. Give me discernment. Give me understanding. How about provisions? How about money, wealth, or fame? That's what the disciples were asking for. 
How about just the assurance? How about confidence and a solid foundation where you're just immovable, you're okay right where you're at waiting on the Lord? Are you asking for that rock-solid faith or maybe abilities or giftings or strength? Are you asking for a friend? Do you need a friend, a strong Christian friend, maybe a listener or a counselor? Or maybe, I've prayed this one, I need a new attitude. Help me. Help me, Lord. Or you just want forgiveness altogether. You've buried yourself in so much sin and you're just so desperate for change that you're, in big bold letters, is forgive me, Lord. How about time or patience? How about rest? How about peace? How about unity within your family? How about love or grace or mercy? What's the difference between now and then? Not much. We have the Holy Spirit with us. He hears our concerns and he's happy to answer our cries. I found this really powerful quote from John Wesley, and I want you to listen to this. John Wesley says, It was not one faith by which St. Paul was saved, another by which he wrought miracles. That is to say, he, he has the same faith as us. It is one faith that helped him to do all of these things for his preaching to the miraculous. Even at this day, in every believer, faith has a latent miraculous power. Every effect of prayer being really miraculous. Do you believe that? Do you believe there's power in prayer? Although in many, both because of our own littleness of faith and because the world is unworthy, the power is not exerted. We're not tapping in. Why? Because maybe we just would choose sin rather than power. Maybe we choose to be closed off rather than transparent before our Heavenly Father. Miracles in the beginning were helps to faith, and now they are the object of it. And, uh, and then he goes on to tell of a story where he saw a guy that was completely crippled up, and he was on crutches, and uh, he was a dean, and he was preaching while he was there, and the, the class decided, let's pray for him, and was absolutely healed, and he watched it with his own eyes, and this is in the 1700s. Does God still do mir- the miraculous today? You bet. And so let's be, uh, I think... The call is, Lord, help me to be like Bartimaeus, unreserved, uncaring whether or not we, are, we look silly or foolish. Help me to be a true believer and help me to pray like it, to live my life and to jump up on our feet, to celebrate the fact that God, what God is doing, and he's illuminating and waking up our hearts, and he's even doing the miraculous today. But I've got to believe that he is, he is capable. I've got to believe that he is still holy and amazing, and he's this transcendent God, but he's also eminent. He's right here with us today. And we've got to come before the Lord and say, God, God, help me today. God, help me today. Let's go before the Lord. Lord, as I look down at this card and I pray for health or for wisdom and, and maybe even a new attitude, Lord, I pray that you would answer those prayers. For me, as all of my family here looks down at their card, that they would truly believe that you have the power to do it. Help us to not be vain or foolish like the disciples who are asking for the prize seat, but help us to ask for things of meaning and real uh, importance. Help us to remain faithful to you every day. Help us to avoid sin at all costs. Lord, to, to, to have the same attitude as Bartimaeus, to have the same attitude as Zacchaeus, to have the same attitude as the thief on the cross 
and to have and to stand in amazement like the Roman centurion that sat there and watched Jesus die on the cross and said, surely he's the son of God. Lord, we are amazed at what you've done, what you're going to do. Lord, help us to wake up in our faith. Help it to not be just another Sunday, but a day that we come alive and we make a decision to follow and to be faithful and to pray with real hope and belief and faith. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. So, if you would, fill in, those, fill in that card. Would you take it home? Would you put it up somewhere where you would uh, pray for it, those things on your list, and maybe even add things to it and believe that the Lord listens, that he cares, and that he stops to hear your cry. And um, we will continue to pray for you. So, God bless you, and uh, we'll pray for your week as you journey about and following the Lord in faithfulness. And be sure to sign up on Phoebe's list. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.